Welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, let us start off with an apology. We were we completely missed last week. Um, did you did you notice that, Sebastian? I did, yes. Uh, but in our defense, uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, we both kind of preemptively apologized because you had a new job and, and I'm looking for an apartment in Montreal. I had, and there's I had a new job in Toronto. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Been, You're looking at a job in, in Montreal. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And neither of us were in Ottawa. So it yeah. was uh, just a, an absolute uh, a nightmare. Now, I do have some good news. We are going to be moving, hopefully. Um, we just need to confirm the final details. But it does look like we will be moving to CIUT-FM, which is based at the University of Toronto, um, and going live, or live as live as we can make it, mm-hmm. um, on Mondays at uh, 4 p.m. Okay. So we'll start, uh, the podcast listeners will start to see the podcast coming in Monday afternoon. I know that at least one of our regular listeners tunes in first thing Monday around lunch, I think, where a Monday lunchtime podcast listen. Now, speaking of Canadian stories, a little while ago, we spoke about the Scarborough United Church in southwest Calgary. They had a pride flag, which was, I can't remember if it was just stolen or defaced and stolen or stolen and then defaced. Either way, someone nicked it. Mm-hmm. And Scarborough United Church found themselves uh, without without a, a proud flag. Now you, we've been we've been fans of the United Church for many a year. You, you are you you always wax poetic about the United Church. Well, I don't I don't wax poetic about them. I, I it's it's more like I defend them. So it's very common among uh, well in, in the community for people to be staunchly anti-religious and especially anti-Christian. And I always kind of step up and say, well. You know, the, the Quakers have a history of helping human rights and the Metropolitan Church was literally founded around, you know, uh, queer inclusion and, and the rights of women and, and, you know, United and Unitarian. We never heard anybody. Like, what, what is this? Like, if you got a problem with the Christian faith and, and uh, let's be clear, it's not the Christian faith. It, it's the bureaucratic side of Christianity. Like whenever you talk about the papacy, you're, you're not talking about one's belief system. You're talking about like the bureaucratic system of organizing funds to keep the church doors open, which is a completely and totally different thing. And if you're going to complain about that, then yes, okay, I, I, yeah, there's a lot to complain about there. But you know, just don't cast a wide net over absolutely everything. That's that's. I mean, that's actually what I defend. (laughs) So I think there are there are definitely churches that have in the past week, and I am referring strictly to the past week. Yes, uh, have earned themselves a pretty, uh, you know, reprehensible reputation, mm-hmm. including the uh, Southern Baptist Church. Oh yes, sir. a uh, two hundred page document yep. listing many, many incidents, hundreds and hundreds of incidents of sexual harassment and abuse, including with pastoral members who are yeah. still in those positions in the Southern Baptist Church. Those 200 pages, is the document is larger. It's just 200 pages of names named. Like, it's yeah. bad. It's bad. It is atrocious. There are certainly churches and certainly new stories this week that don't paint churches in the brightest light. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, we're actually talking about the United Church and specifically in 
Calgary. Now, the Scarborough United Church had their flag partially burned and ripped down with the word repent on it. Uh, Calgary police treated it as a possible hate crime, except they weren't able to uh, identify anybody involved, I believe. So it uh, didn't get too much further than that. The Scarborough Church pointed out that there were 50 United Churches across Calgary, all of whom are affirming congregations. Mm -hmm. So it's not just them. It's not just the one happy-go-lucky gay church. There's 50 of them in Calgary alone. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's not just the church community, the community at large. The print shop called Reputable Red Panda, Mm -hmm. you can't say that name five times fast, they actually issued the church with two new banners free of charge hmm. uh, to replace the ones that were defaced. And uh, they told the CBC, uh, and I'll quote here, when we saw the news, we felt it was our obligation to do what we can. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of disgraceful that there's people in our communities who think going around tearing, burning and, and scribbling over pride flags is the dumb thing. But I think this story speaks a lot to how 50 plus churches in that community alone really making the case that this is not appropriate and that we are a welcoming community. What do you think, uh, Sebastian? I mean, it's kind of a nod to something else that, that happened recently in Calgary, which is uh, vaguely related. There was a, a documentary filmed in Calgary about the history of uh, openly LGBTQ people in the pro wrestling world. And a lot of people may not know this, but Calgary is kind of the one of the great North American hubs. There's a lot of famous people who came out of Calgary. Um, but yeah, so the, the Calgary, I mean, the prairies have a reputation for a, a certain brand of conservatism, but you see a lot of these stories coming out of Calgary where they're like, we're, we're not, we're not like the other girls. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this doesn't really surprise me. We, we've been seeing stories over the years of, of Calgary being, uh, a pretty interesting place. Um, so yeah, no, uh, this this it is kind of disappointing, and and it is unfortunate that it turned out that it was definitely vandalism and not just a squirrel, because we keep seeing stories that squirrels keep vandalizing pride flags. I don't know if, if squirrels just hate the rainbow or if squirrels are it's, all homophobic. It's true. Squirrels are out to get us. Yeah, it is. Uh, we we have to fight both bigots. And squirrels. It is. We are. We are almost outnumbered. It is. Did you know there's a derogatory? There's a derogatory term for squirrels. I would believe in the American South. They call them scugs. (laughs) Damn scugs are in the porch again. So yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess. But I mean, you don't fight hate with hate. So we shouldn't say scugs are homophobic. We should say squirrels are homophobic. Do we fight squirrels with more squirrels? Is that? Yeah. No. No. That's that's. That's not the answer, man. You know, you, you got to do that Martin Luther <laughs> approach of, of holding out the hand until they finally accept it. Yeah, but, maybe uh, if we feed them with small, small seeds, they won't attack pride flags. Mm, okay. Yeah. Maybe Bits that's the truth for bigots. Maybe we just need to throw seeds at people who are trying to deface pride flags. I mean, you say that, that but uh, about a year ago, uh, I did see a squirrel uh, in my backyard uh, who was sitting there eating an entire hamburger. I don't know where it got a hamburger, but it was eating a whole hamburger, two hands, like you would imagine a tiny person eating hamburger. It's kind of adorable, but also terrifying. Awful segue. Somebody who is not here for it is volunteers in Timmins, uh, Northern Ontario. So it's a, not a huge community, Timmins. I think it's 
technically a city, um, but you know, I mean, so many things are considered cities these days that uh, it's not uh, not the greatest. Uh, yeah, it says it's a city. I I I'm <laughs> holding my breath as to that whether or not that is true. It has about forty thousand people. It's in northern Ontario. Um, but the reason why we're talking about it today is because they have to cancel their pride events mm -hmm. and you're probably thinking was it the rona was it monkeypox which we'll get to a little later yeah. um, and the answer is it was just they just didn't have the people not the city because apparently there's forty thousand of them but rather the community itself did not have enough volunteers to corral together and uh, put the festival together normally their board has eight to ten people if it's going full speed yep. uh, and their pride committee had only four people uh, at the moment and you know i feel like the lgbt community is quite industrious and we can get quite a lot done but hosting a full bone parade with only four people um is apparently too much of an ask in mm -hmm. timmins ontario limited supply of volunteers you know it's a challenge we all face and one of the things they noted was so many people are tired after this pandemic mm -hmm. it has worn us out oh, yes. what do you think sebastian well i mean something that's kind of frustratingly true is that even if they had 16 people on their board of directors you and i have both sat on boards for pride and usually it's only four people who actually get any work done anyway um but it, it, even the other eight people who just show up and warm the seats they they do get something done at least this is this is a weirdly um it's kind of an unspoken, uh, I, I, I guess you could say like an open secret, I guess you could say about, about the Pride movement is we find it very easy to attract people to sign their name on, on the list that they are going to volunteer. But when it comes to day of, only half of them show up. It's very easy to attract people who say they'll help. But getting people to actually pick up barricades, pick up garbage at the end of the day, that kind of thing, it's really hard to find people who are willing to get their hands dirty. So the fact that this happened, as tragic as it is, I mean, I've seen, it goes up and down because sometimes you have years where you have so many volunteers you have to send people home, which is pretty heartbreaking because they're, you know, they're they're there for you. They're, it, it's, I don't know, I, I don't like turning down people's help. So, um, but yeah, this is, it's kind of unfortunate, but it is unfortunately the kind of thing that, that can happen and, and now and then does happen. You may not get whole pride festivals shut down, but you will get individual events at pride shut down. And quite often you may not notice because they kind of triage the situation. You know, the, the, the parade will definitely happen. And if there's some kind of a fairground or festival or open air concert or something, you know, they'll put all their eggs in those baskets so that at least the community knows that something is happening. And some of the smaller events around it, they'll, they'll trim the fat a little bit just to make sure that they can get something done. Um, so it's harder to notice, but it is pretty common for Pride Festivals to run short on, on, on volunteers. It's not even an issue of the funding. It's about the volunteers getting people who well, are if, competent. If that's what trimming the fat looks like, then Timmins must be anemic because they, they've had to cancel everything. Everything, you know, yeah. and it takes a lot of work to organize a parade. You have to work with the city, you have to work with the local police services, you have oh, to, man, yeah, 
you know, very department. often there's yeah. media and, and and coordinating humans, you know, you know, folks are, are responsible for, for each other. And just before we jump to our first song, I also wanted to share that a lot of pride organizations aren't the most, you know, it's important to support volunteers who are doing mm-hmm. work. But yep. when it's entirely volunteer-run organizations, it's volunteers supporting themselves and each other. Mm-hmm. We've seen so many toxic environments at Pride boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's something that plagues Prides all across the country. It's mm-hmm. it's not an easy problem to fix. It it is. I mean, that's related to another problem, which is that when you do have your your board of fourteen people. Um, you kind of, whether you like it or not, you kind of mentally rank them in, in order of perceived competency. And often the person perceived as being the least competent gets sort of thrown into the, we'll take care of the volunteers pool. And that's kind of backwards because your volunteers are incredibly important and a lot of what gets done should be done that way. If you have special skills, like if you're a, if you're a chartered accountant, then yeah, you should probably be you know on the finance committee. But if you're just sort of a generally charming person who's good has good organizational skills, you should probably be the volunteer coordinator, but they often get pulled away on other things. And it's, we're just sort of not sending our best, I guess, you know, where when we do send our best, they're often chewed up and spat out. Now we're going to jump to our first track. This is Amanda room. I am madly in love with this musician. Fantastic. (laughs) And this is the title track of the new album, the spaces in between. We will have a second track by Amanda room. Uh, playing a little later in the show because I I just I couldn't pick just one. It was a fantastic album. Uh, this is the spaces in between, and we will be back I'm just, just after. Trying this. to find my place, trying to find some empty space where I'm comfortable enough to say the things I need to say. Wanting all my words so perfect, trying to translate poetry. When I get tangled in expectations, I lose what makes me me.
Hello and welcome back to Queer, home of Canada's queer meter. That was, who was that? That was Amanda Rume and the spaces <laughs> in between of the brand new album with the same name. Go and check it out. Incredible Indigenous uh, LGBT musician, I believe, um, of the Métis Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, just fantastic. I can't uh, wax poetic enough. I wanted to, before we start talking about monkeypox, I did want to talk about something a bit more colourful. Okay. Um, that is uh, skills. Now, with Pride, we, this would have made more sense in the Pride conversation, but we'll get to it. With Pride, so many people are issuing objects yes with rainbows on them and, and so on and so forth and yes. uh, i was just chatting to my family today about yesterday about the walmart t-shirts which are cool but don't look remotely comfortable so i was mm-hmm. you know but we are inundated with objects with rainbows yeah. on them some of which um do in fact partner with lgbt organizations and donate in support of the community mm-hmm. those are the ones i think people should focus on um and some of them just don't, and mm-hmm. is what it is. Now, we've talked about Skittles a couple of times because their big thing is taste the rainbow. Yeah, I'm sure lots of the LGBT I mean, community has tasted the rainbow. Just to add on to your, your last point before you started, um, if somebody decides to do nothing, I think most people understand, like, Adidas, you make shoes. You don't have to do something for pride. It's okay. Like I would rather if a if a corporation is going to do something for pride, I would rather them do something meaningful and uh, I don't thematic, like something on brand. You know, something that makes sense given who they are. Um, and if they say we don't have anything creative or interesting to add to this, like Wendy's doesn't do anything, and thank God for that. Although Wendy's has a hilarious <laughs> social media presence, but they don't need to. I mean, that's fine. They they sell hamburgers. They don't have any massive human rights complaints uh, against them like i don't know it's fine it's it's fine it's fine so it's true and just so our listeners know you do own three percent stock in wendy's i think that's uh, just (laughs) (laughs) that's a joke we neither of us own any stock but if wendy's wants to give us some i'll happily (laughs) take it um be it like shares or just burgers i mean either way we're we're pretty fast i mean but you know Back I'd rather Skittles. have Dairy Queen, really, because you know I love soft serve. But yes, this uh, is true. Skittles are doing something meaningful. This is a good story. Yeah, and on brand, you know, yeah. that big thing is Taste the Rainbow. And what they started to do during Pride is grayscale the packaging. Yeah. And they're, essentially the idea was that they're saving the rainbow for those who need it or yeah. for whom it represents. Yeah, yeah. And during Pride, the rainbow isn't a skittly confectionery item it's actually all about the, the lgbt community which I mean, you could also really say well. you could also say the real rainbow is inside oh wah, wah. you got crickets no it's good it's 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 a metaphor it's true because the 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 scales are actually colored on the inside i think it's i think it's only the packaging that's grayscale yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's uh it's uh the the, the actual candy is not uh not grayscale mm-hmm. um but the reason why I mention it is because they have commissioned four artists this year. Um, we've got uh, Chi, Mia, Meg, and Ash and Chess, who are a, a duo. Oh, and Car. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's five or six artists. I clearly, my ability to count is, is not there. Mm-hmm. But these artists have taken the grayscale packaging and put 
artwork on it which represents the community in different ways and the artwork is pretty darn cool like i think it's it's pretty neat how they have done it and the reason why i wanted to bring up skills and none of the other products is because Mm -hmm. when they went grayscale i was really impressed by that you were yeah it it made a big splash but it's hard to compete on a shelf (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, when everything else is brightly colored candy and you're grayscale yeah um, so i think what this does is it sticks true to that grayscale branding everything skittily in the package is still grayscale and it's just the artwork from commissioned lgbt artists mm-hmm. that has the color and it and they're beautiful bright packaging uh, a dollar for every one of the skittles goes to glad which is the i believe it used to be the gays and lesbians against defamation um they essentially advocate for better representation in television movies theater music etc mm-hmm. um, very very active organization yep. um, up to a hundred thousand so i mean it's it's pretty good what they're doing they're donating to a an, you know very reputable organization and uh yeah i just i saw the the, the paint the the artwork and i was like wow this is a really clever way of evolving their engagement with pride yep and the actually the the they have a grayscale package and they also have an all white package with uh, all the skittles being white as well and the packaging on the white one is like beautiful and minimalist but yeah it's they had such an obvious thing to do they're already a rainbow they could have run with it and they they went in the opposite direction which in some ways i mean if you want to be cynical that's just clever marketing but somebody sat down and took the time to do clever marketing, which a lot mm-hmm. of other people don't do. Even if this is just a cynical cash grab, at least it's a cynical cash grab where they rub two brain cells together for a second, you know? Like, that, that's, that's meaningful. That's something. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love a good old gay rainbow. My, yeah. my sister would very nicely got me tea towels. And it has, okay. I think it's got like a... Um, one has gone, what's that bird? It's not, it's either a peacock or a bird of paradise turkey, like a big, yeah. I mean, I think it's a peacock. Okay. And, uh, and the other one is just rainbows. And I'm like, as it happens, I do need tea towels and I okay. do love a gay thing. And it was fantastic. But two you cans. know, <laughs> two cans of rainbowy. We could have two a gay two can. Very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have to do much to it really to, yeah. to make that work. Um, Anyway, moving on to a much more serious issue, though, is the really, you know, I think everyone has been hearing in passing, uh, mm-hmm. if not in detail, mm-hmm. the rise of monkeypox yes. uh, throughout uh, throughout North America, um, and uh, particularly in Europe. So it is uh, transmissible by a couple of different things, bodily yep. fluids, yep. Um, some surfaces, and uh, I think essentially water droplets. But they it's, don't think it's, it's as transmissible as COVID. So, yeah, you know. it's direct touch mostly. And to, broadly speaking, this is sort of a, a rule of thumb for most infections of most types, is that most bacteria and viruses are very sensitive to UV radiation to dryness, to uh, the cold, and uh, there's the last one, maybe dryness, the cold. Uh, well, and they also, they need some way of transmitting themselves. So, you know, water droplets in a cough or sneeze or something to do with touch or, or pus or like horrible saliva things to do with like rabies. Um, and they need a mode of transition. And monkeypox is pretty sensitive actually. 
uh, it doesn't really have a mode of transition. Um, and it, it's pretty sensitive to a lot of the other things. So it really needs to be sustained touch. And it, it's mm -hmm. like if you brush against somebody um, that, that probably, and it, you have to be at the stage where you look like you have monkey box in order for it to be transmissible. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not like a flu, because like a flu, no, a, a, a common cold, the day when you start sneezing, count back three days that's when you were at your most infectious so it's well it's i just want to be i want to be very clear here sebastian the yep. advice issued by the world health organization is the incubation period for monkeypox is usually from six to 13 days yes but can range from five to 21 days Ooh. so you look at five to six days go backwards that way and that's where uh, you may have you may have uh um come into it yeah um they, they they go on to say that it's usually self-limiting. Yep. Um, there is likely little immunity to it, um, but it hasn't really spread. It is endemic in some countries in in Africa, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it has been surprising to see it uh, across the world. And in fact, Canada is now one of the hotspots. Yes. Uh, for it, uh, according to data released to by the Canadian Health uh, or Canada. Health, Public Health Canada, get yep. the name right in the end. Uh, we have 26 confirmed cases as of mm -hmm. May 26. So that was three days prior to recording and probably even later for those listening to the broadcast uh, with a suspected 25 to 35. Now, at time of recording, all but one mm -hmm. was in Quebec. Yep. Now, you were re recently in Montreal. I know, yep. I know folks in Toronto are very anxious about this, but how was it in yep. Montreal? I mean, they, they weren't really commenting about it, except for the fact that they had identified that the, the point of spread seemed to have been a sauna called G.I. Joe, um, which is one of the reasons why I brought up the, the transmission issue, because saunas and clubs in general are dark, warm, moist, and poorly ventilated. So the fact that this happened to outbreak at a gay bar, there are so many people saying this is really just sort of bad luck on the community that, that it happened to get. Because like another place that I can think of as, as being like hot, moist, dark, and poorly ventilated is like Carnival in Brazil, where it's like this four-day festival that the streets are packed and Brazil is hot and moist and it's the hot, moist time of year. And like Mardi Gras in uh, Australia could be another place for a vector. It just happened to happen, unfortunately, yet again, in a gay sauna, just because those those factors are all there that make it, uh, I don't want to say easy to transmit, but harder to have it just die off naturally, which viruses can do if they're hanging around on surfaces for too long. Yeah. So it was I mean, kind of, it was kind of bad luck. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. The World Health Organization, Canadian Public Health, and uh, the UK's Public Health Authority all have said essentially the same thing. Yeah. This is not just a men having sex with men health issue. Because it's not and, an STI. Yeah. It does, it and if you treat it like such, which we saw in the 80s and 90s with HIV, yeah. um, turning a blind eye or an ignorant eye to the rise of this infection, um, you know, people are genuinely concerned about the immunocompromised and children in particular, because mm -hmm. um, if you're exposed to lesions, if you're exposed to respiratory droplets, mm. um, you know, these are things that are particularly uh, risky for, for those who are immunocompromised and, uh, and young. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we, the World Health Organization is really concerned that because it has disproportionately impacted or spread amongst gay men in Spain, 
the UK, mm-hmm. and even now in Montreal, mm-hmm. they're worried that people will start drawing a line between being gay and having monkeypox. And that will be to the detriment of the general public because mm-hmm. this virus does not care who you are. No. It will quite happily infect anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's kind of unfortunate that, uh, I don't know. I mean, if anything, it fits into some like weird narrative about you know global climate change or something. Viruses are surviving in places where they didn't use to survive. I, I think, honestly, like it, it's weird that this has turned into a. a I mean, I, I don't. Sh- should I say LGBT or like a gay male or like a men who have sex with men issue? It's kind of targeting. Well, apparently, like the, the well, perception is targeting yeah. men who have sex with men. I mean. At, at the gist of it yeah. is that experts believe that it, it is spread through close contact with infected skin. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to ask me, do gay men touch a lot of each other's skin? I mean, that's an answer that I think question that answers itself. So yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's it's unsurprising that we've yeah, seen yeah. some of these outbreaks, especially around pride, yeah. especially in hot mediterranean countries i well, mean these are <laughs> factors that uh and and, and montreal i mean, I mean montreal is, is is yeah. hardly a uh, stoic location so yeah it, it's not it's it's not mediterranean but it is an island but i think it even more to the point is that something that happens in uh sort of the the, the gay scene is people hug all the time like you meet somebody for the first time instead of shaking their hand and saying like nice to meet you you hug them and say nice to meet you it's it's a thing that happens in 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 the community a pretty physical bunch and normally that's not that's not really a vector for disease transmission so this is not the kind of thing that uh that normally would do a thing if there are any cult other cultures in the world that hug to say hello and goodbye they're probably also at risk for this so i mean i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. I, I just this should be a different narrative like this should be about public health or it should be about like as i said earlier global climate change these viruses are showing up but they historically don't um but no it, it's it's just weird timing that it's turning out this way yeah i mean all we can really do is stress the same warnings that the world health organization and canada uh, sorry public health canada i will get their name right eventually by the end of the show <laughs> uh-huh. um have made which is you know if you think that you have been exposed or you are uh, there's certain uh, symptoms i think fever fatigue muscle ache uh, mm. lesions you know go and seek uh, you know medical attention and uh, go from there especially if uh, you have been at risk so canada has taken this very seriously we've got about i want to say 50 cases so sort of 25 confirmed 35 mm. suspect mm. and uh canada public health has already issued a thousand smallpox vaccines to quebec and they have dispersed other smallpox vaccines across the country i think um, that's something that we haven't countries. mentioned so far that that's good to note is that the smallpox vaccine works against monkeypox and it's actually overpowered because Smallpox is a way more dangerous disease than monkeypox was, and we just happen to still have smallpox vaccines laying around that we can easily replicate. So we could easily deploy a known-to-be-harmless vaccine immediately on this and distribute it quickly. 
It's not a yeah. new technology. It's an old proven technology. No one has any reason to worry. This is good news. Yeah, and with our recent public health safety measures, you know, hand washing, sanitizing, not hugging at each other's bare skin, uh, yeah. if we can resist, uh, you know, these measures all will add up to keeping each other safe. So, you know, keeping a little distance, making sure you're not covered in lesions. I think that's a pretty reasonable bar <laughs> to, mm. to attain. All right, let's jump to our next track. Uh, we are going to be playing What Could Be by Mitchell McCoons, who is a also a mid-team musician out of Manitoba, based initially from Brandon, Manitoba. And we will couple that with the other track that I wanted to play by Amanda Reum, uh, which is Do About Her, which I, I has a is a track off the album that's really caught the attention of the music media world. So we will be back just after these. This is Michael McCoon's What Could Be and Amanda Reum's Do About Her. Wish we were sharing this apartment Instead of waking up alone Wish I could cook you dinner From a recipe on my phone Wish I tried harder To make you stay Cause it's been a hard one Since you went away Now you'll probably drink coffee But you won't wash the cup In ten minutes you'll be back asleep Let the dishes pile up Then you'll wake up again Realize you're late for something Wish I didn't miss those little things Something in the way Makes me feel selfish Cause I got them on my own Hoping someday it makes you wonder What could have been What could be No, it ain't too late Walk that road some of our friends don't even know Till the ones who did we took our time and space But I know how it goes And please don't hesitate Let me know when I'm being replaced Cause I got them on my own Hoping someday it makes you wonder What could have been What could be Thank you. 
and welcome back to Can't Queer Home of Canada's Queer Media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, you know, I got asked recently on a bus because um, I was like, oh, I can just read and pass the time. And someone's like, oh, what are you reading? Mm. And for light reading, I have been reading about the impacts and violence of British colonial history and separately a book on the history of racism in the United States. Oh. So... <laughs> As a palate cleanser, I picked up the recent uh, graphic novel, uh, the Heartstopper series, is based okay. on. Okay. And uh, I, I read it in about 30 minutes. I think they actually had to double the word count for the TV show than, than what was in the book. Graphic novels are like that. Like, uh, there's uh, the only hefty graphic novel that I think that I could think of is Bone. And Bone is in, I think, 16 editions. And you can still read it in half the time as the hobbit even though it's like this giant stack it's like a foot tall if you get all the books together graphic novels are like that they're a quick read they're great well i discovered after i was watching it with my sister that uh the series covers more than just one book uh, which makes sense because the books are quite small and uh, i have been trying to find volume two of heartstopper and they seem to be sold out everywhere apparently everyone's had the same idea as me to go and read the other ones and catch up. Um, so I think I'm getting it shipped in from the States <laughs> because okay. I couldn't find a copy in Canada anywhere um, of, uh, of Heartstopper Volume 2 um, and Volume 3. And the reason why I think it is so good that the Netflix series has done so well, they've commissioned Season 2 and 3 Ooh. within about a week of its release. Ooh. And the other reason why these graphic novels have been literally sold out um, across uh, most of the country is that it is a pleasant read. It is uh-huh. nice. Things. It is. It is enjoyable. Nobody dies. Um, you know. It is. And I'm a big fan of pleasant books these days, especially uh-huh. given my other reading material. But yeah, I think uh, Sebastian. Maybe I'll bring it with me, and you can sit down for twenty minutes and, and work your way through it. And, I mean, uh, the internet is also. A fire with the the other Netflix series, which is Stranger Things, which has nothing to do with this show, except I will say this. They have prominently featured Kate Bush in season four. And I am just when first when they first started playing those chords, they immediately recognized running up that hill. You just can't not notice it. And all I could think was, thank God, another generation is going to discover Kate Bush. She's awesome. We need more Kate Bush in the world completely unrelated but i just i was so happy i was literally delighted so but yeah, yeah. um should we move on to some of the smaller stories absolutely i did just yeah. read a pretty shocking stat and netflix announced that in the first week viewers had watched the equivalent of 23 million hours of heartstopper okay so that's that's either one person watching it many many times or lots of people watching it that has uh, been happening yeah. that yeah, has yeah. happened i would yeah. not be i would not be surprised now speaking of not being particularly surprised kevin spacey who oh, anthony rapp who was uh people may recall from the discovery star trek series anthony rapp had accused kevin spacey who fronted the House of Cards TV series on Netflix mm-hmm. of sexual, uh, you know, I think it was at the very least sexual advances. I don't recall the exact details mm-hmm. when Anthony Rapp was 14 and Kevin Spacey was 26. Mm-hmm. There were a number of other allegations and other court cases across the UK and the United States 
um, nearly all of which have either been settled out of court or have collapsed. Um, I think in one case, uh, one of the victims was forced to publicly identify themselves and refused and the case collapsed. Mm. Um, and it's been uh, a bit of an ongoing saga. But some of the allegations happened in the United Kingdom. Yes. And there isn't really a statute of limitations in Britain. No. Nope. Uh, which some people forget about. So yep. there was a historical crime investigation after the allegations were initially raised in 2017. And the British police in London and Gloucestershire looked into uh, Kevin Spacey's conduct from 2005 to 2013. And he has now been charged by the Crown uh, Crown Prosecution Service, uh, the Special Crime Division, on four accounts of sexual assault. Um, So it's pretty serious if Mm -hmm. uh, the CPS, Crown Prosecution Service, have brought a charge forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they don't often do that unless there is, uh, you know, at least a decent body of evidence to potentially convict. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Kevin Spacey has been toying with potentially a bit of a comeback. He's been in at least one more movie since this. Uh, He did pay out $31 million dollars to the studio behind House of Cards for breach of contract. Um, But he hasn't really faced any consequences for the allegations of sexual assault beyond this breach of contract case. I don't know, Sebastian, do you think this is his comeuppance? And his career collapsing around him. That's something else. Um, I mean, would they extradite him or could he just never go back to the UK again if they do find him guilty? Well, I would imagine he would he would fight it, you know, yeah. I, I, either that or there is a, there is an extradition agreement between Britain and, uh, and the U S okay. so hiding from this is not really uh, an option. I mean, you, you could just go to the, the Caymans, I guess, but uh, yeah, it's so the, the British system is very different. A lot of the problems they're having in the States, they wouldn't have in the UK. So I know that some of the media blackout, issues with ongoing court cases in the UK are a little bit controversial, but this is exactly the kind of case where that's for. So uh, the idea of like, you know, you should have the right to face your accuser, I think is completely fair. And I think that's a fair part of the legal system, but the way that it goes in the States, because everything is so incredibly public, a lot of people step back from court cases, which we've already seen in this case here. What happens is, on the one hand, Kevin Spacey has the right to face his accuser, but the world doesn't know who that accuser is because of the, the media blackouts that the, the UK court system has. So this is actually probably the best case scenario in terms of getting justice out of this whole situation because the victims or alleged victims, to be more fair anyway, um, are protected by the court system as well while all of this is happening. So, uh, and they don't have a statute of limitations and they kind of take this sort of thing a little bit more seriously. So it it is more likely to turn out to at least be something, you know, if not some kind of jail time or, or, I mean, I I think it would be hilarious if, if Kevin Spacey had to do an ASBO, but I think those got dissolved a few years ago. Um, But something will probably come out of it, major or minor. And, that's at this point in time it's even a minor thing so long as something comes out of it i think that's a very positive thing well i mean it's 
the victims who are now in their 30s and 40s with yeah. these cases dating back almost 20 years, um, you know, I think it's uh, it certainly fits the pattern of what he's been accused of in the past. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that he recently finished filming Peter 5-8, a film which has been shopped around at the Cannes Film Festival. The producers behind Peter 5-8 have come out in support of Kevin Spacey, claiming essentially that some people would rather if Kevin Spacey wasn't acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure his victims would rather if he wasn't free, but that's, you know, yep. uh, alleged victims, uh, I should I should specify. Um, but they knew who they were getting into bed with in terms of Kevin Spacey in advance of this. The allegations against him are pretty well known. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on... <laughs> It's just so weird, though, because there's so many other actors out there that they could have gone with. And uh, I don't know, unless they're flirting with controversy on purpose, I just find it to be baffling. Like, when an actor gets a reputation, you tend to step away from them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Well, I, I think Britain, Britain is not particularly pleased with the idea of flirting with controversy just for the attention. And there was another story, which I wasn't sure we'd have time for today, mm. but I'm glad that we did. A London mayoral candidate, Lawrence Fox, has been ordered by a British judge to hand over £36,000 in legal fees after he accused three different people of being paedophiles. Mm-hmm. The Stonewall, a big national charity in Britain, trustee Simon Blake, uh, the drag race uh, queen, Crystal, and uh, the Coronation Street actor, uh, Nicola Thorpe. Uh, he'd accused all three of them at various moments in time of being paedophiles with mm-hmm. no evidence to, to back that up whatsoever. And uh, the three of them, quite rightly, sued him for defamation. Mm-hmm. And uh, now have won and been ordered to, and he's been ordered to pay the fees. I think with a growing climate of being able to say and do whatever you like without consequence, there seems to be now a bit of a pushback and some, dare I say it, consequences mm-hmm. for for some of these actions. Hmm. Well, as we are wrapping up the show, I think we're just about uh, where we need to be for that. I did want to share a couple of good news stories. The Church of Scotland General Assembly has voted to allow same-sex marriages. So it's pretty exciting news there. The Guardian in particular was reporting that. In Britain, the British Royal Mint has issued a 50p coin commemorating the 50-year anniversary of uh, decriminalization in the UK. I wasn't keen on the design, but I don't think we have time to to get into that. Mm-hmm. And the Prime Minister of Norway has apologized for the historical persecution of gay men under sodomy laws. So lots going on oh, yeah. um, that we also didn't have time for today. Did I, I miss anything, Sebastian? I didn't have time to talk about this study where they discovered that uh, shirtless men on dating apps are perceived as being cheap. <laughs> So just quickly, I believe the study is they they surveyed people who were using apps and that was the gist of the response. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a full experimental breakdown and it was from the the Journal of Sex Roles. Um, They actually, they went into it. It's a little bit more detail. We don't have time to go into it, but I just thought it was hilarious. It's it's a foundational thing. Whenever you hear a study and the answer seems obvious, 
it's because they want to do another study that's not obvious, but they had to do foundational work first. So this is, they actually even acknowledge in the article that they're, they're going to do something else with this information later. So yeah, shirtless so men maybe are- what our, Maybe what our listeners can do with that information is consider that maybe the, the first photo they use should have a shirt on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. all it takes to not appear- um, well, the, yeah. the term they use is low competence, but in the literature that has a whole meaning behind it. Yeah. Okay, low competence. I yeah. like it. Well, let's jump out. We're going to play out with Duke Sims and Rowley with the track The Fire. I've been Duke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. You can't have-